Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. Biomarkers are an important part of medical research and drug development. A biomarker is a broad term that describes some sort of measurable property of the body, especially one that can tell us something about a disease. Common examples are glucose levels for type 1 diabetes and blood pressure for hypertension. Today on Endpoints, ALSTDI's former CEO, Dr. Steve Perrin, joins us to talk about what a biomarker is and how they're used in drug research. To start, uh, you know, what is a biomarker and why are they important in drug development? So a biomarker is really a critical component of all aspects of drug development, right from you know, early discovery all the way through even commercialization. And we tend to use biomarkers as what I'll call surrogates. Uh, they're things that we can measure um, that might be easier and more quantitative than some of the typical clinical endpoints that we might use. So, so biomarkers tend to be things that we're measuring in fluids or tissues. They could be proteins, they could be RNAs, they're ger- genetic biomarkers. They could even be things like imaging tools. But we use all of these to basically help facilitate in a more quantitative way various aspects of the drug development process. So that's the complicated answer to what a biomarker is. Mm-hmm. And what's the the most simple distillation you could give of what is a biomarker? Yeah, so examples are probably the best way to give examples of what I mean by a biomarker. So you could start off with one that's really obvious to everybody is glucose levels in type 1 diabetes. People measure their glucose levels all day long. Um, technologies have become really critical to not only understanding the levels of glucose, but also connecting that to pumps that therefore allows the uh, union of monitoring glucose levels with insulin secretion via a pump. So that's a, a perfect example of a biomarker that affects millions and millions of people in the country. Other examples, cholesterol level, levels in cardiovascular disease. We all look at our cholesterol levels. The lower we can get them, the better you're controlling your potential uh, cardiovascular risk. Um, There's lots of other ones. HER2 is a biomarker for certain types of breast cancer. We have very, very effective treatments for HER2-positive breast cancer. So that's another example of a biomarker. Um, Some other ones that we use in clinical development, there's biomarkers of kidney function. So you can, and the nice thing about biomarkers is your goal is to try to find ones that you can measure non-invasively. The more non-invasive it is, such as sticking your finger to monitor your glucose, the better it is. I mean, there are other biomarkers which are useful, but if you have to get it from cerebral spinal fluid where you're doing a spinal tap every two days, that doesn't make any sense. So the whole goal here is to find biomarkers that are easily accessible. So how do you find out that a biomarker is relevant to a particular disease and then get it, um, what's the approval process like for the FDA and the government? So how a biomarker gets developed and utilized depends upon what type of biomarker it is and what it's being used for. So if a biomarker is being used more in the early stages of drug development, then FDA regulatory processes probably don't apply. Um, If you're trying to develop a biomarker, there's going to be a surrogate of efficacy in a clinical trial, as an example, the approval process through the regulatory process is quite complicated and quite time-consuming, and there's multiple different phases of how you would get that approved. So it depends upon what flavor of biomarker you're talking about. So um, let's talk about one of those more downstream biomarkers that might be um, 
a little more complicated. So as an example of how to get it approved? Yes. Okay. So how a biomarker gets approved from a regulatory standpoint is actually quite complicated. So if you want to develop a biomarker as a surrogate of efficacy in a clinical trial, there are specific guidelines that the FDA has published on how to do that, and it's part of the 21st Century's Cure Act. Um, and it is a process. You have to first, uh, it's a multi-step process, right? So first of all, somebody has to sponsor it, meaning they're going to invest their time and their money to present to the FDA plan to develop a biomarker for a specific indication. So the first thing is to submit a letter of intent. And in that letter of intent, you have to have some minimal requirements. You have to have, to have a fair amount of data to suggest that you have a marker that correlates with some aspect of the disease that you're interested in saying it's going to be used for. So you have to show utility. You can't just go in and say, I'm going to measure something X for everything out of the world with no data. And the more specific you can be in that letter of intent, the more likelihood you'll get a positive response back from the FDA of step two. So step two is more about expanding your data collection, which there you're going to go out and actually prove that you have a robust assay to quantitate this marker in your indication of, of interest or choice and that you can differentiate that that marker is not present not only in healthy controls but a step further in mimics of the disease as an example especially if you're using it as a diagnostic biomarker you need to really go to great lengths to show specificity and sensitivity and that your assay is robust all of that then has to be presented back to the FDA. They're going to go through a fairly lengthy review process, and then they're going to give you approval to start testing it in clinical trials to see if it actually holds true. So it's a fairly lengthy process from a sponsor perspective to go from a research tool, a clinical research tool, to an FDA-approved endpoint for whatever you're trying to use it for. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, this might seem sort of obvious, but why is the process that rigorous? Why do they um, sort of regulators feel like they need to be this stringent about making sure these are valid? So the FDA has put this process in place, and it's a good process from my perspective, by the way, because if you're going to use a biomarker as a clinical readout or decision making on healthcare, you better get it right. I mean, you don't want to be misclassifying people that they have Alzheimer's disease, and in reality they have frontal temporal dementia. And if there's disease modifying treatments for both and you get the diagnosis wrong, you're putting that patient at risk. So this process has been designed to make sure that your the goals and the utility of your biomarker are very specific, that your assay can measure in the way that you're intending to use it, and that the data is interpretable to add value and reduce risk. So it's a complicated process because it's really important. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks a lot for um, speaking with us today. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at endpoints at ALS.net. For more information about ALS TDI's research to end ALS, visit ALS.net slash research.